Hello and welcome to another episode of The Practical Medium. So today I am going to skip all the, uh, the stuff about how to find me. I'll put it in the description below, but I'll figure I'm just going to save time because this is a bit of a tough one and it's probably going to require a lot of pausing on my part to gather my thoughts. So I do apologize in advance for any breaks in continuity because this is an emotional one, but uh, it does have to come out and it is a good lesson for people who have lost loved ones, whether it be um, partners like husbands or wives uh, and for those who have just lost people that have meant the world to them and how we all find our way back to one another under the strangest of circumstances. So on that note, as I promised in my last episode, I am going to start talking about Ken and who he was to me in life and how our relationship was about, or worked rather, and um, how after his death, he played a major role in getting me to reopen and become, I hate to use these words, but there's the only words I have, in order to get me to come back to my potential because I turned away from myself a very long time ago, as I've mentioned before. And he's the driving force in getting me to reopen and do stuff like what I'm doing right now. So on that note, I am going to pause and take a moment to gather myself and we'll start talking about the situations that we found ourselves in. All right, to begin with, Ken and I knew each other for a long time via an online community and we talked we always got along I always could see through his crap that he'd post and knew for some reason I couldn't tell you why where he was really coming from and his motivations where he would piss people off who did not want to think too deeply about why he would say something like that so and at one point he's we actually talked on the phone and he helped me through a problem I was having trying to do something um, being specific being non-specific on purpose because I'm trying to protect his privacy here I forgot to mention that but so when I get non-specific you know it's because I am not trying to obfuscate I'm just trying to keep his privacy intact so on that note let me go forward again so we talked on the phone and it was you know it was couple times it was a great conversation and then we just never talked again until fast forward to a few years few years later when uh, he offered the use of some tech he had and I was wanted to try it we met I tried the tech and we got along like a house on fire never expecting from online interactions that we would be such good friends from the moment we met you know, he threw stuff at me, I threw it right back at him. He tried to bust my chops, I'd bust him so hard he had no comeback. You know, this is good friend stuff, and we've just really, really got along. So we were, you know, all of a sudden we're emailing each other like there's, you know, no tomorrow, no, no, no boundaries in terms of whatever we talked about, because I knew what he would and would not talk about just from years of observing him. And, um, you know, it's so one day he invites me over to his workplace. He was self-employed and we got to talking. And next thing I know, I got snogged, if 
anybody who doesn't understand what the word snog is, it means to be grabbed and kissed unexpectedly. So that was the beginning of the relationship. Now, we'd never lived together during the six years we were partners. We did not have lives that interacted like a normal, <clears throat> excuse me, a normal husband and wife. We just never got to that point because of the way his life was going and the way my life was going. And at that time in my life and his life, that was okay. We weren't demanding from each other. We just enjoyed each other's personalities and persons and bodies for who they were. No, no holds barred. I didn't expect things from him. He didn't expect things from me because we never went forward with a commitment. So that was fine. And these relationships do work. But what I did not know in the time that we were together, just how much I felt fell in love with him. Now, part of that has to do with autism. Part of that has to do with low self-esteem, which autism and self-esteem tend to go, low self-esteem tend to go hand in hand. With him, he had been burned too many times. He was also older than me by a few years, and he had more experience than I did. And he wasn't sure if he wanted to take that step forward. So we were on and off, so to speak, for six years. Um, we would always communicate, but we didn't always see each other. And I knew, okay, this is the part where it starts getting a little emotional. Now, he had had a heart attack some months before we actually physically met in person. I knew about the heart attack and I knew about the details, but after we met, I got to know a lot more. And um, he was basically living on borrowed time. But because I enjoyed him so much and how things were going, I kind of turned a blind eye to that over the time. So when he had an, a, a minor event in that the, the last year of his life, it was a seemingly minor event, I didn't go research it. I didn't look into it. He was also trying to tell me, but he could never really come out and tell me that he had a death sentence. And I'm glad he didn't, to be honest. But so when the event, fi the final event happened, I was not with him. Uh, I had no idea anything happened until the next morning. Uh, and I was caught completely off guard. And it was the worst goddamn pain I've ever been through in my life. Somebody who I enjoyed and loved without knowing about it. Somebody who I had felt I could trust completely, which was rare in my life. Somebody who I could just talk about anything and everything. And I just, I even just loved listening to him. He had a beautiful voice and I just loved listening to him talk. You know, there's just, you don't think of that as, in my world, as somebody who's being a soulmate. You just think of it as that rare person who comes along and just hits all your buttons. And Apparently, I did the same for him, you know, because he never left, so to speak. I mean, the reason why he was not around is because he didn't have, for periods of time, is because he just didn't have time. And it happens because we weren't in that kind of a committed relationship. So that's why I got caught off guard because I wasn't around him all the time and I didn't really pay attention to the signs. Again, I'm glad I didn't. But here is the thing, dear listeners, is that in six years, not once did he ever say outright, I love you. He just, he said it sideways once. 
And I said, absolutely two response. And that's all he needed. But on the other hand, I never came out and said that either to him. So we were not exactly the most functional <laughs> of partners. And, but it worked, it worked for us. And we both had our own things we were doing and we just enjoyed each other as much as we could. So that is the history of Ken and I. So when he died sudden, su dies suddenly, of course, my whole world just rips apart because this reliable, solid person is gone. The person who I loved listening to his stories, the person who told me about his life, it, you know, and I could just sit there and listen all day, like I said, because it was always interesting. And I would put my input in, and it was obviously valuable to him because he, while he wouldn't say it to me directly, I knew in his actions he listened to me. And it was the same in reverse. He would suggest things to me, and I would go try them. And I'd tell him, well, I did it, but... So, you know, this was what we had. We just had a good relationship and a good friendship and, you know, obviously love that we never wanted to acknowledge. Now, having got past that part, this is the, that was probably the hardest part because I really don't talk about it all that much anymore. It's been a few years. So we get on to what happened when he died. If you have read the blog, you have seen posts that he asked me to write so he could share his experience. He would normally just say, I only want this between you and I, but I really would. But in those instances, he wanted the details of his death put out so he could share it with the world, even though it's anonymous in that sense. He wanted it out there. So you have under, you if you've read the blog, you have seen the uh, most likely seen those posts. So we're not going to talk about the instance of his death. Um, we're going to just kind of jump through to the time after his death. And um, here I am feeling completely gutted, heart-wrenched. I've lost somebody who I didn't realize who was that important to me, only to find out that, yeah, he was really that important to me. And it was in the worst way possible. Um, and just, you know, go to the go to the, the wake slash funeral and I surprisingly did not lose it because that was when I was actually at the at the wake I was seeing him in my mind's eye but that's another story for another time because I thought that was normal but again I will get back to that in another podcast or a blog post so we go through a couple of months of me getting vague messages from him I'm getting this um like I would be half awake and there would be something along the lines of a scenario of his that played out in my head. Why would I be getting that? I'm closed. I'm, just, I'm imagining this, right? This isn't be real. Then there was a few days after the death of his death and I'm finally getting some peace in my brain. I'm finally able to sleep. That was another thing that went on. I could not sleep because of the shock. And I'm laying down for a nap and his full name plays through my head like it was on a tape that was being played at the slowest possible speed. And it freaked me out, man. It freaked me out. It took me the better part of the day to realize that was actually his outgoing voicemail message whenever you'd call his phone and get his voicemail answer. But he was trying to push through to me so hard that I am here that he took a chance that he would freak me out 
and do this. Because on his side of things, visually, and to any to anybody who's dead and on the other side in spirit, non-corporeal, corpor, corporeal, sorry, my pronunciation's gone, um, is I'm open. I look like I am open and receptive to those who are on the other side to talk to. My conscious brain, however, disagrees in that, or it disagreed about being open and wouldn't let this stuff through. So he had to work really, really damn hard to connect and communicate with me. So that was always interesting. Now, it, um, this went on, like I said, for a period of a couple of months. And I can tell you right now, dear audience, that it was really confusing. Um, and really not upsetting, but it would leave me with this feeling of what the hell is going on? And no, having no answers because at that time there wasn't really a whole lot of information that I thought to go. I didn't know where to start looking. So I just found whatever I could and nothing really fit online. On Facebook, on web pages, it was all too new agey, too spiritualism, too positive this and that. Nothing that really addressed, well, why am I seeing this? So there was one person I could talk to. And that was a friend that I used to play World of Warcraft with many moons ago. And she was actually in Australia. Uh, my friend, Lynn, is a full-blown psychic medium. And around the time Ken died, she was reopening. She had been closed for a very long time, just like I was, but she had closed for different reasons. Um, and like about 10 days before Thanksgiving of that year that he died, she um, tells me, I've got somebody here for you. I'm like, what? Now, prior to that, my other friend, my older friend, uh, had Tony who I have also written about, came through before that and just blew her out of the water. So that was at the end of the pre of October, and it took about another week and a half for Ken to decide to jump in. It's like, jerk. Anyway, so he comes through to her and says, hey, I'm here. Can you tell her I'm here? Can you please? I'm not, I'm not, I can't get through to her. She's just not listening to me. I don't know why. Can you please tell her? So Lynn, who is a very good friend, says, sure, relays the message. And of course, I'm blown out of the water. I am literally, literally hyperventilating in shock at this because my wildest dream came true. Really. The person who I didn't get, I wanted to spend the next 30 something years of my life with because he was older than me, uh, 30, 40 years and be with him and, and, you know, just half him in my life and I got cheated of is back. He's back in my life. Holy crap. My God. I didn't, I, I, I was just, I had no words and he's relaying to her my physical and mental state, which is just pure shock. And I'm starting to cry. I'm starting to just basically lose my shit because I never in my wildest dreams imagined this was possible. And there is no way my friend in Australia could know anything that is being told to her that happened here in where I live in Chicago. 
I mean, I don't talk to my friend voice. I talk to her 99% of the time. It's through keyboards. It's chatting. It's on messengers. That's it. So a lot of personal details I just don't talk about because we don't sit and have a chat. We don't sit and drink tea with, you know, every day and talk about things. So there's just stuff he is telling her to, to tell me. And I'm just like, there's no way this is fake. Just no way. And again, this ties into the fact that I'm still closed at this time and I'm still strictly materialist because I'm only aware of this garbage that has been in my head for so many years as being just stuff my subconscious throws at, up at me, not something that comes from the other side. And all the signs that he's sending me are in this kind of like, before he comes through Lynn, all these signs I'm talking about are just kind of like this weird parallel thing going on. So I'm like, I have one mind that's materialist, that is solidly fixed on this is one one go, one round of life, and that's it. We're done. We don't come back. We have no more persistence of consciousness. And then you have the other subconscious part of my head that's telling me, man, you are so good at lying to yourself. Jeez, why won't you listen? You know, completely, obviously, overlooking the fact that there's a lot of crap that went on between <laughs> the time I was young and closed down and to where I am now in my, my late 40s. So, we get back to this whole thing of, my God, he came back for me. The shock, the disbelief, the conversations that were going on. The stuff that she has no business knowing and he's telling her about, it just all comes to the fact that I can't ignore this. This is for reals. This is happening and there is way more out there than I could possibly imagine. So, this is where I start realizing, well, wait a minute. All my visualization things that I would used to do to keep myself from... Okay, let me sidetrack a quick moment. I'm sorry. I, when I fall asleep, I have a hard time, fall, used to have a hard time falling asleep, and I'd have to create little scenarios in my head just to keep myself busy. You know, like little fantasy scenes, whatever. Or I had a meditation technique uh, where I was on a boat where I'd pull, push myself through a bunch of little islands, islets rather. You know, just something meditative to relax and concentrate. He's inserting himself into those. I have never in my life, when I lost somebody, put them in my that part of my head where I'm trying to just unwind my brain for sleep. So I've got him sitting in the boat that I'm pulling and, you know, his fat ass is sitting on the other end not helping me push the boat. Well, he wasn't that overweight, but he still had some extra weight. You know, what do you do? Um, and in my other thing where I had this fantasy thing going on, he's inserting himself in there. I wasn't putting him in there. I didn't have any even the thought of putting him in there. So this is, goes to the whole, holy crap, I have two minds. They need to come back together. They need to join. Um, and he knew what I could, what I am and what I can be because he's out of the timeline. Now keep in mind, everybody who's dead is out of the physical timeline that we have, or linear timeline, excuse me. And can get an idea of what our future is like. And there is actually a side story here where he was asked by somebody else, can you please help her get back, her, find her way back to being who she's supposed to be? Which is a psychic medium. Yay. Great. Um, but he was kind of, he's the uh, the lure, so to speak, at the beginning. 
to bring me back to who I am. And Lynn also helps. She's been helping, she's helped, and I have another mentor who I will probably mention down the road. But these people have helped me heal, have helped me come back to myself, and most importantly, especially in the case of Lynn, reconnected me with Ken. Brought me back to the love of my life, showed, helped me figure out that the relationship is not over, that it keeps persisting, the love is valid, and that I can have more of a relationship now, even though it's kind of shitty that it happens after he died, but I can have the entirety of him because he wants me to explore his head and just know him like he can know me. We're basically two, it's a, it's a two-way street here between the two of us now, more so than it ever was when we were alive. And, you know, I, and it's been a long journey, but he has helped me fix a lot of stuff. He has his foot firmly in the middle of my ass, pushing me forward to become the the person that you are listening to, which is a psychic medium. And I honestly, I'm only on the beginning of my journey. I'm still a lot of progress to go. And I will never say that I will ever finish because you don't. But my strength is something that I have to work on. I have to build it, blah, blah, blah. That's another story, as I keep saying. But he is the, the, my, <clears throat> as they say, he is my pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And throughout all of this, there have been interesting instances, visualizations where he has played a role. He has brought me to certain realizations um, that were important that I needed to come to. There was a lot of stuff along the way. And I'd say in the near four years he's been gone, we've had more of a relationship than he was while he was alive. And I realized just how weird that sounds. But it's just goes to show you that the physical is not the end all be all. And that you can't always assume that what you see in the person in front of you is all you're ever going to get. Because there's a lot more underneath that than you can ever imagine. And I could, I in the beginning, and it still kind of, still kind of plagues me, is the whole, well, why the hell does he have to come back to me? He doesn't have to. He can go on. He can, he can screw off into the universe and explore what's out there and, you know, find what new drugs and booze and all kinds of weird stuff there is to experience. It's because he's chosen to take on the role of my guardian and guide, and he's planning to do it until I come home. And if that ain't an honor, I do not know what is. So there's a lot of moments where I am left speechless by him and vice versa. But ultimately, what I thought was just going to be something that lasted six years, six short years, is not. It's a lot bigger than that. We have amazing history in other lives, which, again, weird. But I will talk about the one that happened before this at some point because it has to do with reincarnation and stuff. But we, he and I have our soulmates. We are at the absolute dictionary definition of soulmates. There is a bond between us that is not breakable, never can be broken. And even if I were to get totally pissed at him or totally he totally pissed at me, we will always know where the other person is, what they are, uh, and what their general state of mind is. 
It's just how it is. So if you are listening to this and you have somebody who you feel that you is your soulmate, start feeling the undercurrents. You know, it's like, how well do you know them? And if you think about it, you might go like, well, I can tell when they're a crappy mood even though they're smiling at me. So that's a definition of a soulmate. And that is one of, the, one of them. So, but this is, I cannot, I cannot, I mean, the amount of lives he and I have had together playing different roles is insane. And they just keep cementing our bond stronger and stronger. And if this, this life is like, this has never played out in any of our lives together where I have been the closed psychic medium and he has been the dead partner pushing me from the other side to be who I'm supposed to be. And I tell you one thing, again, weird. I know I keep saying it, but you have to keep in mind that I'm logic is my savior as an autistic person. The physical world in front of me, understanding it and, and keeping it solid is what keeps me centered. And to know that there's way more out there than this, that a relationship I thought was gone has been resumed and expanded upon in ways I never thought it could be. And to know that all the crazy crap I went through before I closed down was actually not unusual for sensitives. Yeah. It is a very long, strange trip indeed. So that is a brief synopsis of the relationship between Ken and I. But I wanted to give him some airtime, as it were, so people understood why he is in my life, what our relationship was, and what it has turned into. And I have no freaking clue where it's going to go at this point. I mean, I can only, so I know it's only going to get better. And I know that we're like, you know, we have total married couple stuff because yesterday um, I he said something to me and I was mildly annoyed for 20 minutes at it. But he's so used to uh, when he pisses somebody off that they're angry with him for days that all day long he was at me. He was out. He, he can scratch my scalp. And yes, um, he can make his he can create enough density in his the, his current form to to run fingernails along my scalp and to scratch at my eyebrow. It's not hurtful. It doesn't leave marks. It's just real noticeable. And it's uh, so for like the next, I don't know, eight, nine hours, I'm just every time my mind's I'm not doing something or I'm sitting still, the fingernails were there. <laughs> it's like, what? And I don't have good real time listening with him. Um, and that's just, again, that goes to show you where I'm at development-wise as a medium. So when I finally sat down and relaxed for two minutes, he asked me, are you pissed at me for that crack? And I said, no, I'm not angry with you. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's like, and the, the touches stopped. They went away. They weren't insistent any longer. They weren't constant plucking. It was gone. It was just like, dude, do you not get that 20 minutes of irritation does not mean I'm absolutely pissed at you and want to kick you out the, kick you out the door for a day? So anyway, 
that's how these relationships work. They're just the same as they are in life. It's nothing magical. It's wonderful, but it's not magical. So on that note, for those of you who have lost partners and lost anybody dear to you, you can reconnect and you can trust the images you get and you can trust that they are still around you and that they still love you and that they haven't gone for good, even though the body might try to say otherwise for a while. So on that note, if you have any comments about this conversation or anything to say or anything you'd like me to focus on in the near future, feel free to um, email me at the email that I will add in below the podcast. And we will get on to the next topic of visualization techniques, which I touched upon here next time around. So you too can learn how it works and find out that you're not as alone as you thought you were in this world. And on that note, have a good day and hope everything is well in your world.